When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Uh, drinking out of a fire hose a little bit. You can kind of picture that. Um, no, it's been like the most rewarding part is being back around the high school coaches. Um, like, shoot, I got to see Claude Mathis, Scott Stewart, Hank Carter, dear friends of mine, mentors of mine. You guys saw like a, a tweet I put out about a week ago about high school coaches are my heroes. Well, that's like, that's true. You know, I believe in high school football. I believe in the high school experience. Well, I think anytime you surround yourself with great people and and, uh, it's amazing what those good football players will do for a guy's career. And and we did have a great deal of success, which offers, uh, provides opportunity. Uh, But the timing wasn't right. Some of that was family related. Uh, My kids are older now, I've got a senior son. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's Coach Matt Rule, a great staff that I've had a chance and a pleasure to get to know in the last month and a half, and it's the University of Nebraska. That's different. Wake up, people. It's Friday here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers, and we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. And, DB, I know what you're thinking. I I know why you like Garrett McGuire. I mean, whenever he... Hypes, I don't know if I whenever, do yet. Whenever he hypes you up like he does, <laughs> I mean, you drink out of fire hoses all the time. Yes, so, sir. So we know that uh, because he made that reference, it was it pulled at your heartstrings a bit. No, of course, it was the high school side of things when he talked about how high school coaches are kind of his people. Yeah. It's uh, it. Drinking out of a fire hose a little bit. <laughs> Is that in between Pop-Tarts and Honey Buns or hey, what? Hey, why don't you ever give me Pop-Tarts and Honey Buns? Buddy? Well, you had your own Pop-Tart yesterday. Yeah, but I have to bring my own. Why aren't, why aren't we hanging out with Pop-Tarts and Honey Buns? So I have a box. I just don't know how old it is. Is it on the brand or off the brand? It's on brand. Okay. Um, I, can you buy Pop-Tarts plain label? Uh, yeah, everywhere. Are they good, though? No. Say so that's okay. No, that's so, why I so was add, asking. So add Pop-Tarts to the list of things you cannot buy plain label. No. A- uh, any, like breakfast <laughs> items for me, too. Cereal, same way. I can't, do, I can't do the brand. Who are you, Coach McGuire? Man, did he sound young. So he's He the, is me. He's the first guy whose vocabulary didn't. Didn't fit the persona? No. Right. No, it sound it sounded very He's young. ahead of his time. Which is fine. Like I I couldn't care less because here's the deal with that group at wide receiver. <laughs> I don't know if you fine folks know this, but it's gonna be all about relations. Oh, right? is it? He can I'm sh- he'll be fine teaching. But you you have to because it's just a position, it's a lot like running backs, except a little worse. Right, we're just prima donnas by nature, and I, 
it, it it's just a it's just a different vibe to the room. I, there's lots, plenty of knockdown dragouts, and it was fortunate that we had some tough guys that could handle their own. But like when you have high maintenance running backs and high maintenance wide receivers, you need some guys to keep them in line. You know, so we had kind of that dirty, gritty, mean spirited offensive line and a super mean spirited defense. So the checks and balances were always good and and what I hope for Nebraska I really do cuz I think there's something to this Drew down I want good old fashioned competition within practice cuz for like 10 years I've watched the defense literally just just punk Nebraska's offense I mean pretty much I think the last they, I mean there were some guys to clap back a little bit but it was like it's like old heads you know like Brandon Riley and um, some guys like that come to mind that just wouldn't put up with it. Um, you know, Trey Palmer tried to bring it back, but, I mean, you aren't far enough removed from, like, Deontay Williams and Cam Taylor Britt. I mean, Dismuke, those guys would bark. People would be like, ooh, I'm messing with those guys. I'm like, man, come on, right? Like, we need some balance here. Oh, yeah. We need some balance. They throw shade at you, you throw it back. Right. You just can't can't be acting like that at practice. So I hope that. Because I think it's part of it, the whole fearless thing that I like, the competitiveness. Like, you have to be able to give as good as you get Mm -hmm. in practice. So I hope he brings that to that room because he's going to have some young guys. Um, And I'm hoping, and he's been quiet this offseason, I'm hoping guys like Marcus Washington, um, you know, kind of steady the ship because he's a lot of things and a tough guy and not a fake tough guy so right. I, I just I just hope he brings that presence back mm-hmm. that that when you're in that wide receiver room um, it means something I don't worry about that at all with the running backs though because Bartha will have those guys <laughs> well and you know as you mentioned that that friendly competition that you're looking for he at least alluded to that yeah. in his presser because it, it's nice to have that relationship with Evan Cooper and and we've known about this for a couple of weeks now because they internally have their own workout competitions, which then that carries over mm-hmm. to the practice field. And he said, don't worry. Like, we're going to take care of Coop's DBs. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, we're going to make sure that we compete. And, you know, there may be a little side bet action going on yeah, between it, me it, and Coop. I was, it was kind of – it's weird, right? It's refreshing in this weird sort of way. You don't think much of it. I'm glad you caught it because – Coop's one of those guys, and I don't know him that well yet, but he's he's one of those guys that I know for sure is confident. Like he walks he's he's a confident guy. I think most of them are. And he's got a good group, relatively speaking, in terms of maturation and playmaking ability. So I could see those guys just being off the chain. Right? It's I mean, cause you, cause, cause most of your dogs that you know of that are returning are on defense. Right with Reimer and Henrich and Ty Robinson and and Butler and uh, I mean that secondary Malcolm Hartzog they they just I mean a lot of the fellas Miles Farmer those guys are on the back end so it's like yeah I don't know Fleeks Washington you guys have to come on down because they can make life miserable for the young bucks and I think Nebraska is going to have to have a couple young wide receivers step up that's why I'm excited about. Fedoni with with Bob Wager because right. Fedoni, if he's healthy, is not going to put up with a lot, right? 
I, I, I just I kind of like what's brewing from a competitive standpoint. And to touch on the, the wide receivers just here one more time, I'm adding Billy Kemp is going to be something that ultimately pays off in the long run, whether it's you get the production on the football field or you get that leader that a you're leader. looking for in that room. He's been setting the tone already just in the weight room, mm-hmm. putting forth that strong work ethic. And it's, and it's starting to become contagious with others in that room. So having a guy like him, too, is huge. And, and McGuire knows that. McGuire rests about the same age as, as Billy Kemp. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me if they're like 1A, 1B in this whole effort going through the season. But then furthering your, your point on uh, Fedoni, I, I really liked how Wager even said, hey, great players pop out in advance, and he's one of them. <laughs> yeah, they'll lay in the cut saying, play, play clip three from Coach McGuire on. He's talking a little bit about on his experience at the professional level. Well, what was awesome was I dealt with guys that were a lot older than me. You know, one of the dudes I coached was Andre Roberts, who uh, he made league minimum, which, yeah, league minimum's a lot of money, but he also owned nine Zaxby's. So that was like a part-time gig for him. Um, but, no, seriously, I was awesome. around the best of the best, like DJ Moore, Baker Mayfield, LaVisca Chenault, who I actually played with or uh, played against in high school. Um, you know, like I was on the phone with DJ this morning and got to say hello uh, to his two-year-old daughter, who if you guys get a chance, go look her up on Instagram. She's two going on 25. Um, but, no, I, I loved every bit of being in Carolina. And so if you just close your eyes and listen to the voice, the young guy. But if you listen to, if you get past that and get to the words, well, he's lived a lot of lives, it seems. Right? It's, it's okay to be young, and it's also, it's also pretty okay to be ahead of your time. Yeah. And that's Garrett McGuire. And there's a well, lot of people like that. Ahead of the curveball. Well, uh, yeah, which was funny <laughs> because it's just curve. Uh, <laughs> Stickler? <laughs> Well, because when he said it, I'm like, curveball. You know, I'm just typing away as I'm doing something else. And I'm like, is Will Bolt at the podium? Or No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's still Garrett McGuire. Although maybe there are some curveballs coming his wide receiver's directions. Who knows? But that's why I really like McGuire, too, because I can personally relate to him mm-hmm. on more levels I than knew, one. I knew you would like him. Right? Yeah, there are so many confident. Well, you know, there's other coaches that I admire. Like, I admire Matt Rule. I admire Tony White. I admire Evan Cooper, even though, like, I just went down, like, a list of age there. But there's not a lot of people that relate mm-hmm. to me and, and to a lot of other young Nebraska fans out there. But that's Garrett McGuire. You can see yourself hanging with that person. You can when, – when he tells a story – they're similar stories to what you have, to what you know. When he made reference to the 2009 Big 12 championship at the end of that presser, like that was my first memory too, being somebody that's out of state. Yeah. Watching them play against Colt McCoy. I, and as I thought about it, I'm like, man, you know, I didn't really realize how much into Big 12 football I was growing up because Mizzou was in the Big 12 and they were successful from about yeah, 2005 big, to 2008. Big, big was legit. And then... It was, oh, now I'm into the Heisman Trophy ceremony when, you know, Bradford and Colt McCoy and was it Tebow that year, I think, were all neck and neck for it. 
And then Bradford gets taken by the Rams, and it's like there was so much connection to where I grew up, but then it allowed me to follow along the next season and be like, oh, I didn't really pay attention to Nebraska. Like, you can read about history, but when you're – when was that? Nine, so I would have been 12 years old. When you're 12 years old, you're not paying attention to what happened when you were born. So when you watch Nebraska play in a Big 12 championship game and you're like, oh, they're 22 in the nation. Because that's what you pay attention to, right, when you're a young kid. You don't really pay attention to, oh, look what they're doing on the football field. Here's what's good. Here's what's bad. You're, you're looking at the, uh, the play calling styles. No, you're looking at the, the ranking and you're like, that's a good team. Mm. I'm going to root for that team. Mm. That's my team. Not to say that Nebraska was my team, but it allowed me to kind of have some sort of a connection and understanding with Nebraska. 2009, that was for me. That was the same for Garrett McGuire. So it's great to have somebody to relate to whenever you look at history. I go back, I go back to what T-Mac said yesterday, uh, my buddy, because he kind of encapsulated in just a little bit of text he brought the whole thing together, kind of what we've been saying for the last 9, 10, 12 years versus what we see right now. And it was in reference to what makes this staff believable, right? And you're like, I ain't drinking any Kool-Aid. I was on the Matt Rule hype train since July, my guy. And I was like, yeah, that's right. He was number one in your top five, and I didn't even right when have he got him. Canned. I didn't even have him in my top five. And I was like, I don't know. I think it's going to be a popular thing, but I don't know, right? I kind of had mm-hmm. – You had reservations. I, yeah, well, I, so it wasn't – and I remember what I said. I, it wasn't so much reservations about him as much as I felt like there were other guys that would be quicker – Good like, explanation. Ready to go. What I mean by right? reservations. Because I was like – I go, I, I, think so, I think a lot of people like him. I'm hearing that. I'm hearing that. And, but I didn't put him in my top five. But I go back to when T-Max said – this he's ex, coach rule is experienced these are his guys he said no one on his and this is huge cuz tell me you're not hearing this yesterday with wager and mcguire they're an extension of coach rule there's no doubt about it they don't get at they don't get to the podium and say something different the way i walk the way i talk it all matters. And he, act is Coach Rule's DNA. My That's man what said, was said. They, what, they're talking about 1%. So, and, and, and I remember, you know, T-Mac yesterday, he said, no one on the staff is second-guessing him, and he isn't threatened by anyone on the staff. One united voice. I'm going to get back to something that Coach Rule said the other night. He talked about common language adding discipline. Common language adds discipline. It builds in discipline because you can hold people accountable and it's a cultural checks and balance. Like, are we, are we vibing on the same deal, right? The staff sounds like they're on the same deal. You remember those press conferences sometimes? And this will be the last time I do this uh, today where I compare and contrast former versus current because that's not really my point as much as what I think you need to be successful you would hear one guy say something at one press conference. In the very next press conference, a different guy would say the, something completely different. Yeah, that may hey, or may not we, contradict it. We practiced against that. No, we didn't practice against that. This is what we did in practice. No, that's not what we did in practice. This is what we want to do. We want to run the ball. Hey, you know, we got to throw it around. You're not going to hear mm-hmm. that. So, and it's funny. Uh, you know, I, I know a buddy that, that, that teaches time for two coaching, DJ Rezac, and he's always talking about 
common language. And he said, you know what's, what I don't understand about people in positions of leadership is they always want to fast forward to the shared purpose, the outcome. Hey, what's the desired outcome? Well, we want to do this. A lot of people can know where they want to go and be unified in it. Hey, this is what we want to do for the show. Hey, this is how we want to grow the digital platform. Hey, but how are you using the common language and the protocol of discipline to get you to where you want to be for the shared purpose? You cannot have shared purpose without having common language. You have to know that we're, ta- that we're vibing the same because it builds in accountability and discipline. Coach Wager, Coach McGuire yesterday, they sound like everybody else on the staff in terms of delivering their message. And trust me, they couldn't be, not all of them, but they appear to be very different in their personalities. Now, could I see Coop and, and Satterfield going to shoot the breeze you know yeah absolutely because i think they'd get along but i I think they'd have vastly different interests except they have one thing in common they love football right that's that that's the shared purpose the common language they talk the same Mm -hmm. 100 percent like and it's and i just don't know why people in positions of leadership won't do the work on the front end. It's like denying the post or getting up underneath a defender to keep low post post low post pass entrance 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 entries from happening in the post. You hear coaches say, "Do your work on the front end. Do your work on the front end." The shared language is hard. It is. Because you have to, it has to be ingrained and implemented in the culture. And sometimes it seems tedious. And yeah, it comes across as a little sloganeerish, and there's too many sayings. And man, you sound just like the, I'm mm-hmm. telling you though, all good companies have it. Go to good businesses. Watch business models. They sound a lot of same. They sound a lot alike. And, and leaders' jobs are to find the varying degrees of personalities that fit within the context of the common language. That's what good leaders go out and find. You know what I've been saying? I've been beating the dead horse, DB, the CEO take. Like you talk about a good business. <laughs> we talk about Matt Rule being a CEO. He's planting a good business. Shane, can you play McGuire 9 for us? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Well, we have this thing. We want to get 1% better, and I like to do that every single day. Um, you know, I, what, what's cool about my room is I, they're, they're hard workers and they are competitive. And you can see that on tape, you know, uh, watching some last year's tape, watching guys that have been other places, uh, whether that be other conferences or other schools. And so that standard's already set of how they want to play. And then you add our brand of football, you know, being the toughest, hardest working, most competitive team in the country. That's kind of what I want to look like in April. That's essentially everything that you were just saying. Because what happened, what happened yesterday, what we reacted to Matt Rule saying at the coaching conference, yeah, or, the, or Marcus Satterfield or Tony White, the, the 1%, the 1% yeah, better. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the very next day, it's, look, it's not coincidence that Garrett McGuire is using the exact same language. They are all on the same page. Shane, play a Wager 4 for me, please. Well, uh, no question that there'll be a great learning curve for me. Um, <clears throat> but I have been a head coach for 26 years. I've been a high school coach 
for 31. Um, with that has come all different types of human beings, different types of kids, different types of coaches, different types of schools. And, and so I hope that experience gives me the opportunity to bring some value to the program and, and bring some value to the coaches and kids that are in it. Finding the right guy within their personality to accentuate what you're doing but it has to go along with the common language mm-hmm. and the shared purpose. The goal was the first clip, getting 1% better every day. What I want to add to that goal is what Wager said right there. He admits that he's not 100% perfect. You can't get 1% better every day unless <laughs> you, you have answers. unless you're already there, unless you have that mastery that we talked about. And, and even if you do have oh, mastery. Oh, number four in terms on, of the learning. Exactly, the, in, <laughs> in terms of the learning curve. Recruiting will come easy for Wager. No doubt. He's with, he was a high school coach for multiple decades. What, they win 143 games yeah, in 17 pretty, years? Yeah, pretty okay, if you mm. ask me. But nobody on the staff pretends to be something they're not. It's eight and some change a year, right? Yeah. Well, Gosh, I need Jamie. Carry the two. Hey, you do the math while I say this. Here, here's something that this all reminded me of. Do you remember the quote in Pursuit of Happiness when Will Smith goes into the boardroom meeting 8.4. and he's wearing a painter's shirt? Yeah. And it's there's a you know he's all, all all different types of stains on it, right? And he says, "I'm not the type of person that if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, or I'm sorry, I am the type of person." that if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what, I know how to find the answer, and I will find the answer. That encompasses this, this staff entirely. If there's a learning curve to be done, they're not afraid to find the answer to reach that point. Hey, if you don't like this coaching clinic, tell me. If you, if, give me some feedback on what we're doing differently. Hey, listen, if I think we're going to win, if we don't win, there's one thing I'm going to do. I can promise you. I'm going to own it. I'm going to try to get better. Those were the words of the head coach, right? If When you're admitting, um, I, I, call it dis, I call it disarming, right? When you're just authentic and you're admitting character flaws and where you need to get better and what you're not good at and knowing yourself, like you give yourself a chance to have success, right? Because Coach Rule talked the other day about mission versus purpose. He said there are two distinct things, and they need to be clear, clear. The mission is to win championships. That is the mission. Make no mistake about it. It's to win championships. The purpose, though, is to teach, develop, and grow. If not you, then who, right? So he wants it to be the coaches. Teach, grow, and develop. And I'm just thinking to myself, he just said in five minutes what I spent probably 60 shows giving analogies about. Hey, such and such, you can't be so outcome driven. You have to fall in love with the process. That's fancy for saying there's a difference between the mission and the purpose. The mission could be to ch- kill the rhino, right? Go bag the cheetah. Go grab the lion. But what do hunters do? Man, they fall in love with the process. Getting the bow ready. What kind of weaponry are we using? What's the course, the camaraderie, the the grind of getting ready for the tracking? It, like, 
that's how they can repeat it over and over and over again. And when you have a good distinction between mission and purpose, it sounds like a what model? Oh, that's right. It sounds like a business model. <laughs> oh, is this a business? Do they operate like a business? I, I just, you, you heard it yesterday. Mm-hmm. You, you, you heard it yesterday, and I'm just like, I get it. They're his guys, and he, he didn't just luck into this, but you have to work at it. You, you have to work at it. If you're still out there wondering why certain people are on this staff, just know they probably had on some really nice pants <laughs> when they interviewed. Shane, nice work there. Thanks for having those clips ready. We'll set up the show and talk to Mike Schaefer here on Coffee and Cream next. Stay with us. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Well, my early thoughts are it's all about building a relationship with these guys right now. And I've had a couple of opportunities to have dinner with them and and sit down individually, build those relationships. You can't have rules without relationships. And so that's the phase that we're in. Uh, My early impressions are I look forward to seeing them every single day. I can't wait to have the opportunity to coach them. Uh, And more importantly, I can't wait to have an opportunity to build a lifelong relationship with the guys that I coach. Can't have rules without relationships. How do you think he spells rules? R-H-U-L-E-S. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, where we spell words that we know. And we do a little math, too. Uh, Kind of. 17 years, 143 wins, 8.4 wins a season. According to Amazing Daniel, you know, we may not know our pop culture, but boy, when it comes to spelling and math, we are on point do you feel like I've gotten you in kind of a little uh, a, a tough sitch? Because guys that come support us, you know, and and I and I think it's like family, right? Like they're the hardest on you. Like two of our snarkiest folks are hockey dad and the amazing Daniel. Yet they support us through and through. Without a without that's good friends, right? Iron, there. iron sharpens iron, and sometimes you get a few sparks. I'm still mad at Jay Rich. <laughs> you, you couldn't sleep last night? Bro. So you know how matter-of-fact he was on Twitter when he goes, man, you guys are off the rails, which is bound to happen. But mm-hmm. then he's like in the same thought, he's like, it's a nail in your tire. Get it fixed. Right? I was like, not a nail. Budge, I filled this thing up three times in, you know, 30 days. If it's a nail, it's an Awful slow week leak, buddy. It's probably something else. It's the cold weather. And we'll get into uh, your Dingman's experience in a few moments. Uh, but let's welcome in Mike Schaefer. He's with us now uh, here on the show. Mike, good morning. Mike Jay. How you doing? Good, man. Good to see you. I am happy to be talking to you voice to voice, man. Good on you, buddy. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. It's been good to, to dive back into do a little bit of work this week after a few weeks off and then um, trying to figure out who Nebraska added at the end of the cycle when I completely checked out, when, <laughs> assuming there'd maybe be like one or two people and there's seven and, uh, you know, <laughs> I had a little to learn, little to learn. Hey, good to have you back, my guy. Appreciate you getting back at it this week. As you kind of got back in the saddle, we're talking about like common language and business and business models and mission versus purpose 
you're pretty cool with this right now in terms of the infrastructure, putting the workout in front of football so they can do football well. Do you like kind of the order of operations in which Coach Rule's staff has started to attack this job? Well, I mean, it's it's early enough, and I don't know that I have a great read on everything, but I like the enthusiasm in which they've attacked things. So I think maybe perhaps even more than the order of how it's gone or, or necessarily being able to poke through what it is that they're trying to do. I like the way that they've attacked it with enthusiasm. I mean, this I don't know if it speaks exactly to what you're asking, but I continue to be um, pretty thrilled by what I saw from Ed Foley over the last two months and just you know, getting out to different places. Obviously, I spent a lot of time up in Columbus. And um, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you what it means to the coaching staffs up there at Lakeview and Columbus High and SCOTUS to have, you know, a coach come through. And it's not that that place is going to produce a ton of D1 talent, but Garrett Oakley is at Kansas State now. And, you know, Ernest Hausman was at Nebraska last year. So it's a place that, you know, is going to have players every now and then. And more than that, I just think people like to feel that connection to Nebraska football. And so for Coach Foley to kind of create that connection across a large chunk of the state, and I anticipate that this will be a thing that he just sort of does off and on in the spring and then again in the winter, I think that's a lot of goodwill being added to it. And, you know, Matt Rule, Brunch said this on our podcast earlier this week, and I think it's pretty accurate. I mean, everything Matt Rule told us he was going to do or going to be has largely been true. Um, and so he kind of laid it all out there in front of us uh, in that opening um, press conference. And he wanted a young, hungry staff. And I think having watched a lot of these guys get up and speak over the last couple of weeks, it feels like he's really accomplished that mission. And then he's got that elder statesman and Ed Foley, who seems to be kind of an everyman that's able to fit both with recruits and coaches and players and fans. Uh, and I think that's a great thing, too. Yeah, you won't ever get that dishonest Matt rule. I don't think that's, uh, that's in his blood, in his nature. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about enthusiasm. You're not the only one that I think is enthused by how he and the rest of his staff have been going about their business early on. Mike, uh, you know, you released your Super 6 rankings last night. And, um, you know, we've been asking a lot of other media members in town who they like. We kind of went through it a little bit last week, too, on our show to break down our thoughts more. But anything really stick out to you as you were compiling the Super 6 rankings this year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always sort of fun because you don't know what the breakdown of people. And I think I think Damon was like this, where I don't know that he had a transfer player on his Super 6. Nor did and I. You have some people, yeah, and you have some people that had five out of six spots as transfer players. So, I mean, because I offer absolutely no guidance for how people should pick <laughs> their Super 6, it, it has now just really led to kind of a sort of unique setup where you don't get a single player that's on every ballot anymore. I think Jeff Sims was the most at like 17 out of 24, um, which isn't particularly good. I mean, there's years where you get guys that are 24 out of 24. But I, I do think that we saw, you know, there's a handful of high school guys where there seems to be a lot more excitement um, than, than maybe some others. I was a little surprised that Riley Van Poppel ended up with all three of, uh, of myself, Brunts, and, um, and BC had him at number one. Damon had him at number one. That's a guy that I've been excited about for a long time, you know, going back to his recruitment from the previous staff. And, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be James Lynch because it's pretty hard to be a unanimous All-American. 
But if he can be like three fifths of James Lynch for Nebraska, I mean that I I think that Matt Rule and James Lynch are synonymous, and and so I you know I think that maybe there's a lot of transposing with 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 Riley Van Poppel, but I just look at what they're doing with that defensive line, and I'd have so much more hope for what's happening up front, particularly on the defensive side of the ball than where I've been the last couple of years. So I, I'm not surprised to see that maybe Van Poppel is the face of that and that excitement. Um, you know, other things, it, the sleepers are always really interesting. You had a, a sleeper vote for a player that was someone's number one player in the the Super Six. So uh, that that's always, you know, kind of fun. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for Tristan Alvano. Uh, I think that state title game, uh, and I'm not just saying this because Damon's sitting there in his jacket and he's all <laughs> excited about it still. I think that state title game resonates with a lot of people. And I think having a kicker that there's confidence in uh, would be a big thing. But that's a, you know, that's going to be an interesting battle between him and Bleak Road because I don't think Bleak Road's going anywhere. So, um, you know, there's just kind of the, the small stuff that I pulled out of that. I don't want to take up too much time just going over it. But I, it's always fascinating to me how things shake out in the Super Six. Hey, can you have competitors within the same class? for validation, i.e. like a Jaden Dawson, a Malachi Coleman, because I think that is kind of taking on a nice little fun debate on its own amongst kind of some media brethren that are, that have a lot, because a lot of those guys were in every, a lot of people's Super 6. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you can have that. I think we've seen that a lot of the times. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how everyone always sort of views it, but you have moments where you have Aaron Green, Braylon Hurd, Amir Abdullah. Someone's going to rise to the top. Someone's going to transfer out. And in some cases, two guys transfer out. So, um, you know, we want to believe that everybody enters this thing as, as best of friends and there's no rivalries or competition or whatever, but that's never the case. And so whether it's at the wide receiver position or the offensive line or the defensive line, you know, those are three areas where I feel like they really kind of restock the room. And I would look for that competition. And I think Doss Coleman is a really good one because I think if you ask some people, they think Malachi Coleman could be ready to go right when he gets on campus. You ask others, they think he's going to need more time. I think a guy like Jaden Doss is more likely to make an immediate impact than a Malachi Coleman is. But maybe Malachi Coleman has more long-term helium. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can kind of size that one up. And they're wildly different in their usage and how they were used in high school and, and everything else too. So uh, I – you know, if you're going to pick two two high school guys and just sort of want to watch their career arcs, those are two really interesting ones. And I think, you know, if Nebraska is blessed, both of them could end up being pretty good players. Yeah, Sledge, Catula, there's a couple of those. Yeah. In, Interior-wise, it should be fun. Mike, uh, we need to get you on a, a, a longer form segment because we, we yeah. ran out of time. I talk too much. That's no. a way of saying I talk too no. much. No, yeah. no, because we have I have more I want to pick your brain about, but we, we just ran out of time this segment. We but we appreciate you. back for part of the dump because I got some things I want to talk about too. Shafe, we, there's not you enough of number, Damon. Shafe, there's, there's not enough of you. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. We really appreciate your time, and have a good Friday. Thanks, Mike. Have a great weekend, guys. Hey, thank you. And uh, that's Mike Schaefer. Coming up next, J.J. Zumbren and El- Elkhorn South's boys basketball head coach. He's next. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show. We'll get into some NFL talk at the top of the hour, but what we like to do every Friday 
is take a look around the high school ranks and check out uh, some of the coaches that helped deliver some successful seasons. And one of them is one right over in Elkhorn, Elkhorn South's boys basketball head coach, J.J. Zumbrennan, on with us now. Coach, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Coach, fantastic, man. I'm a big fan, so probably it's a bigger deal to me than it is to you. Hey, well, I appreciate it. I'm honored to be on. Hey, you know, some people are calling you the Garrett McGuire of high school <laughs> basketball coaches. What do you think about that? Oh, that's funny. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, you know, but for real, yeah, first year head coach, right? I'm right when I say that? Yes. So one of the youngest, if not the youngest head coach um, in the state, I, I know you're the youngest in the Metro at least, but, you know, the team currently ranked eighth in the class. What has this opportunity in year one meant to you so far? Well, I mean, the first thing that I got to say is it's an absolute blast. I mean, it's going so fast. I'm having so much fun while I'm doing it. Um, and, and the easiest part or the part that makes my job the easiest is the kids. Um, obviously, we've got a really good group of seniors um, led by led by Alec Noonan and Evan Warner, Caden Stone. All, all of our seniors have been absolutely fantastic for us this year. Um, and, and one of the things that has meant the most to me, at least at this point, is I was actually their freshman coach. Yep. So I've been around these guys for for a couple of years now, and so our relationship has been able to grow. Um, you know, they I feel like they trust me, and I know I trust them, and it's it's ultimately been really beneficial for us. Coach, it's kind of cool. You know, I'm a closet stalker. I've been around this deal <laughs> forever. <laughs> Played against Warner uh, at, for you know since Caleb was young. I've I've watched you come up as an alum. One of the things that I think is cool is I'm always in gyms, right? You do a lot of your own scouting, right? It's like, it's like, it, at least it seems that way because I see you at other games with the notepad and you, you, you kind of blend in. You know, we've referenced your age now to be the last time I do that. But is that, <laughs> is that something like your energy, kind of where you are, your own set of eyes? Is that part of the deal or is that just in the DNA? Well, you know, I think part of the reason that it is that way is that um, that's the culture that's been at Elkhorn South since I arrived there. Um, it's it's nothing new. It's nothing out of the ordinary. That started with Alex Baugh, and it, it continued with, with Nolan Riley that, you know, if there's something that we can control, we're going to try to control it. And if mm -hmm. I can go to games and I can see stuff on, on huddle and, and give our guys the best opportunity to – uh, you know, take something away from an opponent or expose something from an opponent, then, then we're going to absolutely put ourselves in that position. Coach, I don't know if I've ever seen a faster path to becoming a varsity head basketball coach. I mean, like you said, you jumped from freshman to varsity in, what, like three years' time? I'm, if you blinked, you would have missed it. Uh, right. how, how do you avoid getting caught up in those moments? And did you, did you or have you uh, ever sat back, took a breath, and – you know, reflected on the ride to this point. Yeah, so it, it kind of, it was a, an interesting journey. I, I actually currently teach at Elkhorn High School, so I flip-flop across, across the Elkhorn Public Schools District. Um, and so I started as a reserve coach when I was student teaching here. Uh, did freshman for two years, did JV for a year, and then um, Nolan Riley left and there was, the, the position was open. And so it has been a, you know, a really quick process and a really quick journey. And, and one of the things that we talk about, you know, with, with my assistants all the time is there's really two paths 
to becoming, you know, a head coach. You, you put in your time and you do a lot of assistant work and you grow your knowledge and you're able to, to get to that point. And then the other side of things is kind of trial by fire. And that's, that's kind of what we're, we're experiencing right now is we got to learn stuff on the fly and figure out how to, how to make things work for us and, and adjust. Um, even if we don't know what's going on, we make it seem like we do try to spin it like we do. Um, and so that's, that's been one of the, the biggest things, especially I talk about with my wife all the time is it's gone so fast that right now I don't think I've had much of a time to just sit back and be like, whoa, this is really cool. But having these conversations, I guess, kind of forces me to do that. And, and I'm just so grateful and, and honored to, to be able to do this. Coach, you, you ooze coaching through and through. Your, your vibe, your energy. I've obviously watched you up close. You referenced your wife. She has to know that she married a coach, which I think is, is part of it when you're going to have a successful relationship because you grind, man. You don't, I, I could just see you being the type of person that in season – uh, you're going to put in some long hours, and it's an energy thing. Has your team, the way they play, they had to have picked up on your work ethic because they play their rear end off regardless of the score. And, and you know, like you said, man, that's, that's a credit to them. Um, I think that the, the culture that has been established at Elkhorn South has, is one of hard work. It's, it's always been that way. Uh, and so I, I was grateful and, and very beneficial to to step into that uh, and just try to continue that. And and the five seniors that we have, as long uh, as well as all of our other guys. And, and now that I have an opportunity, I like I got to give a shout out to to our JV guys as well because man, they busted on a daily basis and make make everybody else better too. Um, but but the biggest piece is again that's something that we can control if we can control our work ethic and how good a teammates we are, then the ball is going to go in the hoop more. We're going to get more stops on the defensive end. So I think guys have bought into that message and, and understand that that is a part of winning. And, and sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way and, and things aren't always going to be great. But um, this is a resilient group that, like you said, plays their butts off. We're talking to J.J. Zumbrennan, Elkhorn South's boys basketball head coach. Coach, moving at the same pace uh, – as one of your previous answers, and as at the same pace as many of your upperclassmen, as you said, um, who on this roster have you seen make the biggest strides in regards to development um, as a player today? Yeah, I think you've got to look at you know, just from, from where we have been at the last couple of years. Obviously, Alec Noonan has been, uh, he was a stud for us last year and, not, and continues to be a stud for us this year. Um, Evan Warner got a little bit of time varsity wise last year, but has really grown in his role. Cause Holy moly, man, he can shoot the crap out of the basketball. Uh, and he's grown in terms of his, you know, defensive skill as well. We, we always put him on, you know, the, uh, the opposing team's best three point shooter cause he's really good in our gap and, and like closing out, um, Jackson Moeller Swan played, uh, quite a bit last year, started for us last year, and he's been a really good leader, senior point guard for us. Um, Gavin Hornbacher has grown a lot in his role, but yeah. I think probably the guy that's grown the most is Caden Stone. Um, he didn't get a ton of minutes last year varsity-wise, and uh, the dude just grinded. I mean, he was at every single open gym, every single skill session, calling me on Sundays trying to get into the gym, um, and it's, it's a testament to that, to that work ethic. Um, and he, he does all the little things. He's going to guard the opposing team's best player, 
He's going to knock down open shots. He's going to screen. He's going to cut well. Uh, so I got to give a lot of props to, to C. Stone because he's been kind of a, a rock for us. Coach, you came back on the, the, the back end of the doubleheader and you got Central and a grinder. And I'm the least bit surprised. We had talked to Coach Chebik Jr. that morning and they had had some time off. And I wondered out loud after we talked to him, I said, gosh, you know, Elkhorn South is going to have to play Westside. Uh, they got a double dip against the team that's kind of laying in the cut. The game against Westside I want to go back to because I think it's interesting. You, you have this demeanor, right, the, the clean-cut, good-looking, energy guy. Your team, though, that game was chippy. And it was – and it, I, as an obje- – if you take my kid out of it in the team, I love the way the game was played because it was competitive. When the score got uh, a, a little large, you surged right back. Your demeanor never changed. The crowd was into it. I went up to Alec after the game, and I said, man, I, your resolve, your poise, I love watching you play. How much it went – and I know it's not just a, not just a Noonan thing. I, you know, Evan shot the heck out of the ball. Hornbacher was a handful, just his toughness. Apparently the cast and all that's behind him. Your yeah. team, I, I got to know how the personality, the demeanor meets the team because the, the toughness is something that I think people don't catch when they watch you guys on huddle. Yeah, and I think that, you know, this is a, a, a quote from Mike Tomlin, but we, we say it all the time, that the Bless standard is the standard. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we, we have set, we like to think that we have set this standard. And so if we're not meeting that, you know, during a stretch of the game or we're not, we're not practicing well, um, we challenge people and, and tell them, listen, man, you have set the foundation, you, you have set the pillars of our program, and if you're not going to live up to that, then we've got to do something different. Um, and, and this group in particular really responds to that. They're not a group that likes to be told how, you know, how well everything is going and, and we're doing everything so great. Um, they want to be pointed out when, when things aren't going well. And, um, you know, again, that's, that's 100% them. I don't think that's anything that myself or, or our coaching staff has done. They're, just, they're a really great group of kids and, and want, to, want to be the best version of themselves. Mm. Coach, quickly here, got about a minute. Uh, your guys picked up a pair of wins uh, the last two times out. Have some momentum going into tonight's matchup against Millard West, a team you've already seen this year. Has the scout changed at all uh, without giving away too many details? Yeah, I would say that they're playing a little bit faster than last time we played them. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've changed up a little bit what we're doing defensively. Um, and so I think that you know, every game that they play is close. And so we anticipate a dogfight tonight. I know the guys are ready to go, and so am I. Yeah, you were the unfortunate victim of an 8.30 tip the last time I think you guys saw them, <laughs> if I remember right. So this one will be different. Coach, I'm a fan, man. Best wishes to you going forward. Hey, guys, thank you. I appreciate you having me on this morning. Hey, thank you, JJ. JJ Zumbren and Elkhorn South Boys Basketball Head Coach right there. Let's change gears. We'll talk Super Bowl with some NFL guests next segment. Rapid not, fire. Not only are we talking to the Chiefs, but the Eagles in the same segment. We Let's, don't normally do that, but we're double dipping at the 8 o'clock mark. Let's get it. Stick around. We'll be back.
Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Oh, my mom's everything. I love her to death. Uh, and right now, I think she's kind of cheering for the Eagles because of her grand- grandkids. But uh, it's all right. We're, I know. I know. I know where her heart is. It's very cool. It's very cool, and it's it's an honor to be able to carry that torch. You know, I always told myself I wanted to blaze those trails and potentially create new ones. So have a lot of respect for all of them. You heard from Travis Kelsey. You heard from Jalen Hurts, two of the big impact guys at this year's Super Bowl. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. And now let's welcome in our first guest of the segment. He's a Chiefs analyst for The Athletic, Seth Kaiser. Seth, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good, Seth. Good, good, good. Hey, it must uh, it must feel pretty nice to know that a team that you're covering has uh, had the success that they've had in recent years, making trips to the Super Bowl, winning at least one Super Bowl in that time, and now they're back again in a year that many thought wasn't going to be their year. Uh, what has it been like covering this Chiefs team this year in particular? It has been... A very, very fun time to cover the Chiefs. Um, I started covering them probably, I think it was about 2011. And so I, I went through the 2012 season where they were clearly the worst team in football. And so this is different. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It, it, it ends up being a lot longer throughout the year because you end up with an extra month every single year as they play multiple extra games. And this year in particular, you kind of alluded to the expectations that people had. And it's been really interesting watching them evolve and adapt and kind of enter this new phase of the Mahomes era and doing it so seamlessly that they end up in the Super Bowl in a year that's supposed to be a retooling one. Yeah, it's interesting. Let me ask you something, Seth, because you're close to this deal, and I feel like they're two separate things, but maybe they're not. Can I talk about the greatness of the Kansas City Chiefs and talk about Patrick Mahomes and separate it from what Veach and company, and I know Mahomes is part of the draft, so that's where it gets a little convoluted. But I mean, there's some Carlothis, there's some Gays, there's some Nick Boltons, there's the managing of the cap. Can I talk about the Chiefs' rise to always being on the precipice of playing for Super Bowls and separate the front office from Patrick Mahomes' brilliance? I think you can a little bit at this point. I think it was hard for people to do that before the last couple of years. Um, especially because a lot of the blue chip players they had when they won it in 2019 were considered, you know, from the former regime. Uh, and so one thing that this particular front office has done is after the 2018 season ended with obviously kind of a disastrous defense and, you know, lining up offside, you don't make the Super Bowl, they had to completely revamp the defense to go from terrible to at least passable. Mm-hmm. Right. And then after they won the Super Bowl and, you know, they tried to run it back and then they obviously had a bunch of injuries to the offensive line, they had to completely revamp the offensive line. And then this year they had to once again completely revamp the defense as guys aged out, contracts got bad, et cetera. And so they've really had to create multiple iterations of the team around Patrick Mahomes. The, the roster now is very different than the roster from 2019 and 2020. So I think it's entirely appropriate to talk about the general manager and the job Brett Beach has done in bringing in new, fresh talent 
um, through all avenues, not just the draft, although he's crushed the last couple drafts, yes. but also, you know, bringing in, you know, a few more high-end free agents and then also bringing in, you know, churning through veterans like a Carlos Dunlap type guy who plays a niche role but a valuable one. And that's where I think it's really appropriate to separate the two because you need that even around a great quarterback. Turn your attention here, Seth, to the coaching staff, in particular Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. You know, the Super Bowl is where we see the gutsiest play calls come out. We've seen coaches take risks all the time when it comes to play calling. With how much film guys watch leading up to the Super Bowl and knowing how unique the Chiefs are when they call plays on offense, do you think they'll get creative here or do you think they'll stick to what they know works? I think you're going to see a combination of both. Um, you know, Andy Reid generally tends to be kind of a combination of both. He changes things up more on a macro scale in the off season, and then throughout the course of the year, it's kind of a slow evolution based on the personnel they have. And so he's not necessarily a game-to-game guy. It just varies. Um, you, you see little things. They do what they do, but they alter what they do because they do so many things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a combination of both. He's going to do what he does, but what he does, because his playbook is so vast, it varies depending on matchup. So say, for example, here with the really great pass rush of the Eagles, I expect to see some of the things that he usually does to try to slow down a pass rush with some of the screens to try to take advantage of that linebacker group, some of the jet sweep stuff, some RPOs, just to really cause the pass rushers to get in their own heads and hesitate. Yeah, it's interesting. So that's the game within the game for me, Seth. Total football junkie being a coach. Like Spags, you know, going against Sirianni, it's almost like a mirror version because Kansas City's RPO game is pretty filthy. But it's not to be outdone by what Philly does with their RPO game, stressing those flat defenders too. Is there some, oh, I don't know, comfort's too strong of a word. Is there some ease in familiarity with how the RPO game works when Spags is trying to look at what to do against the Eagles? I think where the familiarity might be for Spags is just how long he's been doing this. Um, obviously it helps having Andy on the opposite side to where, you know, you, you know how your offense works. Yeah. And so, you know, some of the rules with RPOs in general, but I think the advantage there really is the fact that Steve Spagnuolo has been doing this for decades. And so there really isn't a lot of genuinely new stuff in football. It's, it's recycled from either the pro level or the high school level or the college level and once you've been do- around long enough, you see things kind of cycle back and forth, like, you know, this year is the return of the power running back, right, and the power rush attack as defense have got- defenses have gotten lighter and lighter over the last few years to deal with the passing game. So I, I think that's where the advantage is. Uh, but obviously practicing against some of that stuff every day, your defenses, your, your, your players, they see a little more of it. Now, the way the Chiefs operate RPOs, and you kind of alluded to this, is pretty different than how the Eagles do it. They're a lot more likely to hit the R on that, <laughs> and that's because their offensive line is so good. But I, I do think there's an advantage there, both in Spagnolo's experience and their players having dealt with it. 
We're talking to Seth Kaiser at Real MN Chiefs fan on Twitter. He's the Chiefs analyst for the Athletics. Seth, keep it with the defense here because we've seen a lot of storylines come out about Frank Clark and how he stepped up and Chris Jones. And then we talked already about what the front office has been able to do and they get a guy like Carl Loftus out of the draft. Um, it, in a year that people didn't have very high expectation for the Chiefs defense. How would you say they grade up there with the best in football this year? I would put the Chiefs defense with where they're at right now. Is there they're about an average defense? Maybe a little above average. And there's a lot of variance to them because they are starting so many young guys. And one of the things with rookies is that variance. You just you, you know, with, like with an average player, you usually don't have them just play average all the time, right? They, they're either playing a little above or a little below or way above or way below. And that's where I think you see that kind of on a game-by-game basis with the Chiefs. You're going to see a little bit of inconsistency. On the plus side, they're playing as well as they've played all year, at least over the course of the last month and a half or so. And so I think they've started to crack into that average to above average range with a, with a good pass rush, and their coverage is just continuing to tighten up on the back end. So they're really, they, they've been on the upswing for the last couple months, and it'll be interesting to see if that continues against such a great offense. Seth, last one for me. Let's get you, get you out of here on this. In a game that is uh, just a one, one-and-a-half point difference, really good quarterback play, right? we've, we've heard all the matchups, we've been through it. The game within the game could be time management in a closed game. Both coaches have been a little maligned for being aggressive, not being aggressive, clock management. You know the deal with Andy Reid having covering these guys for so long. Will it come down to that in your opinion? And if so, do you give the advantage to the veteran? I think if it comes down to game management stuff, that is one thing that Reid has been a lot better at over the last probably I'd say three years. And, you know, Mahomes cures a lot of ailments, right? Because there's a big advantage where, wow, we didn't handle the clock quite how we should, but we only need 13 seconds anyway. So, whatever. Um, that, that's certainly helpful. But I, I think some of those in-game management things, I might give the slight edge to Sirianni just because of his aggressiveness. And when you have as much talent as they do, that aggressiveness often pays off. So if you end up with a game that's on that thin of an ed- of a razor's edge, I think I'd give the advantage to him, um, which is, you know, a lot of the advantages I think go to Andy with his experience. But in that area, I'd actually give it to Sirianni. Mm. Hey, before we let you go real fast, MVP bold prediction. Do not give an explanation. Just give me a short answer here. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. And that is Safety. definitely the safe bet. <laughs> hey, like thanks, it. Seth. We appreciate you. Uh, and have some fun on Sunday. Thanks, Seth. Hey, Absolutely. I appreciate you guys. That's Seth Kaiser, Chiefs Analyst for The Athletic. Let's change gears here. Let's talk Eagles now with the Eagles NFL writer for the Delaware News Journal. It's Martin Frank. Martin, good morning. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good morning, Martin. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Good, good. Hey, we're, we're having a blast talking, uh, talking some Super Bowl talk here on the show. Uh, and, you know... Something that I thought about last night when Jalen Hurts came in second in the MVP voting race, you know, some people are still Mm -hmm. all out on Jalen Hurts being a good quarterback. I mean, the 49ers roster is one team that isn't holding back feelings right now. Um, And, you know, he just, 
he just never gets a lot of credit because of how just well put together that Eagles team is. Do you think the reason for this is because, you know, it, if, if we're talking 49ers here, that, you know, they're salty because of the NFC Championship loss? Or do you think this hate will just constantly follow Jalen Hurts throughout his career? Because it seems like even if he wins the Super Bowl, he'd be the last person to be credited. Yeah, I find it kind of strange because if you look at, like, his overall body of work during his career, um, when he was drafted in the second round, he played, like, the last four and a half games, you know, in place of Carson Wentz, who got benched. And he only completed, like, 51% of his passes. Okay, well, you know, it's four games. doesn't really, you know, it's not really a good gauge. And the next year, you know, the Eagles were, they started out two and five. He was throwing the ball a lot, but, you know, it wasn't very accurate. He, uh, you know, they went to a run-based offense, and they won seven of the last ten and made the playoffs, and he completed, like, 61% of his passes. You're like, okay, he's a little bit better, but, like, you know, if he's going to be in that upper echelon of quarterbacks, he's got to improve that completion percentage by a lot. And he did. I mean, you know, they went out and got A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith is in the second year. Dallas Goddard's one of the better tight ends in the NFL. And he improved his completion percentage to 66.5%. He went 14-1 and as a starter. I mean, I'm not really sure what else he could do. I mean, you know, when the Eagles needed him to throw the ball, he did, and he beat teams with his arms. When they needed him to run the ball, he did, and he rushed for like 760 yards. So, I don't know. I, I don't really understand. I mean, you know, you look at the 49ers game, you know, he's playing on a sprained shoulder. He doesn't have great passing stats. I think he threw for like 120 yards. But the Eagles won 31-7. I mean, he didn't have to throw the ball in the second half. You know, the Eagles ran the ball 44 times. So, I don't know. It just doesn't really make sense. He's shown all year that he can win either by throwing the ball or running the ball. Um, You know, he's not going to write up the scoreboard like Patrick Mahomes does. You know, Mahomes threw for like 5,200 yards. But he can get the job done. I mean, he's proved that. So, I'm not really sure where all this... uh, Jalen Hurts, like, disrespect comes from. It's interesting. A guy goes 66%. He's thrown for 3,800 yards. He's 22-6 to touchdowns and interceptions. But let me ask you this, Martin, because his fingerprints, I got into a knockdown dragout debate a couple years ago over Jalen Hurts and whether to spin a second-round pick. And I like winners just because I, I coach for so long. I'm going with guys that are historically win. Hurts is a winner. Mm-hmm. His personality oozes winning. Are you surprised in a city that has a guy like Trust the Process, Joel Embiid, that Hurts has been able to capture the hearts of Philly fans? I know a couple guys I know, Stoll in particular, uh, you can't keep Hurts merchandise on the shelf. His temperament dictates the Eagles. His, yeah. his philosophy is embodied in the Eagles. Like, Are you surprised at how quickly he's won that city and team over? I am in a way, but, like, one thing, like, a lot of the Eagles players, and and I'm speaking specifically about veteran guys like Jason Kelsey and, you know, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, guys who have been there for 10 years or more. I mean, Jason Kelsey did not retire because 
he trusted Jalen Hurts that much. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, look at look at it this way. Uh, Kelsey's been in the league since 2011, probably the best center or one of the best centers in Eagles history. You know, after last, after the 2020 season, you know, when Hurts took over for those last four and a half games, you know, the Eagles were a disaster. They were 4-11-1. They fired their coach. They traded Carson Wentz. And everyone thought for sure that was it for Kelsey. Like, why would he come back? And he did, and he said, because I see the potential in this team, and I see the potential with Jalen Hurts. So, like, he's our, by then he'd already made an impression on veteran guys like that, that he had the stuff, the leadership, you know, to take this team to the level they're at right now. So when you see guys like Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham talking that way about Hurts, then you know you got something special. And I think people in Philadelphia warmed to that once they saw, like, you know, the Eagles rally to make the playoffs last year, and then even more so this year. So it's just been, uh, you know, and, and everyone, like, you know, talks about his leadership. Like, just, he's only 24 years old. I mean, a lot of this is, like, incredible, you know. But he did that at Alabama. He, you know, he won the championship as a true freshman. You know, he went, he lost his job. He handled that professionally. And then he went to Oklahoma and was second in the husband, took them to the playoffs. So, you know, he has a history of that. You know, it's, it's, it's a body of work, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. We're talking to Martin Frank, Eagles NFL writer for the Delaware News Journal. Martin, you talk about leadership and you talk about disrespect. Somebody that kind of fits that mold, too, is Nick Sirianni. <laughs> and, you know, after, after the Eagles moved on from Doug Peterson, it was kind of surprising that you moved away so quickly from a Super Bowl-winning head coach. Not to say that, you know, it wasn't the right move. I, Nick Sirianni brings the team to the Super Bowl in his first year. So, uh is that a credit to him being able to handle that sort of pressure, or um, do you kind of side with those that say, hey, he got put into a really easy, nice situation? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, when he took over um, last year, you know, his first press conference, he was like stumbling and awful. You know, he'd never been a head coach at any level before. And I just remember, like, people in Philly were like, you know, who is this guy? Who yeah, did he just hire? Yeah. Like, he wasn't being interviewed by anybody else. He, were, he was a meme. Um, he, was part of, he was part of memes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and then, like, before the draft, he's telling us, yeah, you know, I play, like, rock, paper, scissors with, you know, draft picks to see what, <laughs> you know, see what they're about. And, like, what? <laughs> and then, like, you know, they start out 2-5, and five, and he shows his team, a picture of a flower pot with roots going underneath the ground, you know, and, and everyone thought like, who is this guy? You know, what, what's he doing? And then, you know, they end up making the playoffs and then, you know, this year, um, you know, they just take off and people like kind of warmed up to him. They kind of realized, you know, he's fiery. He'll get in people's faces. Um, there was a game against the Colts in November you know, it was about a week or so after they fired Frank Reich, who was Sirianni's mentor. Sirianni was his uh, offense coordinator with the Colts before getting the Eagles job. And, you know, the Eagles win in the last minute, 17-16, to 16, and he climbs up onto the bench and he starts yelling at the fans, you know? Like, 
kind of like F you for firing Frank Reich. And people in Philly love that fiery attitude. Um, you know, he's done that, like, coming off the field during home games and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's he's kind of won people over in Philly. Like, at first they're like, you know, who is this guy and what is he doing? He seems overwhelmed. But he's turned it around, and people, like, really like his, you know, Philly fiery fighting attitude and stuff. It's really played over well here. Uh, you could tell this team is built with Reddick and Edwards to play behind, you know, Flexer Cox and Grams and Hargrave and those guys. But Gannon's done a good job kind of piecemealing the secondary together, right, with Bradbury and veteran Slay. But you got the young guys and Gardner Johnson and Blankenship. When you look at some underlying keys, man, how important or critical do you think it is is how Gannon – who was also the defensive backs coach in Indy when Sirianni was there. Uh, how important mm-hmm. is it that you think that secondary is better outside of the pass rush, or are those two things just intertwined? Uh, I think they're they're definitely intertwined because, you know, you look at Slay and Bradbury, both had Pro Bowl seasons, but they don't have to cover, have to cover their receivers as long because he, defensive line is just sending waves and waves after the quarterback like you mentioned uh the defensive tackles like they got five yeah jordan davis linval joseph nonstop. you got fletcher cox and hargrave um then you got you know domicon sue and linval joseph and then you got jordan davis the first round pick so that's like five guys nonstop rotating in and out getting after the quarterback um, you got Brandon Graham, you got Josh Sweat, you got Hassan Reddick. They got four guys who had at least 10 sacks. You know, they came within two sacks of the Bears' all-time sacks record. So, like, you know, and, and it's clear, like, how they do it. They get pressure on the quarterback. They make him throw before he's ready. And, you know, the defensive backs that you mentioned just feast on that. You know, Slay and Bradbury don't have to cover as long. Gardner Johnson can, like... You know, watch guys coming over the middle and, you know, a bad pass. He's right there to pick it off. He had six interceptions and he missed five games. So, yeah, it's it's him and him, definitely. Martin, we appreciate your time today. But before we let you go, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, no explanation needed, give me your MVP and bold prediction. Uh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, I think that would be an easy one. And I think I predict this, it's going to be a great game, high scoring. I think the Eagles win 37-33. No. Oh, thank you, ages. Martin. We appreciate your time this morning, and uh, enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Thanks, Martin. All right. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Hey, you know that score right there? It's kind of close to the one that everybody's been predicting on Twitter. I, what? What? Do you know the story behind that? Like, the I, I've seen it like pop around. It's, it's like a pro football reference score, but it says 37-34 actually in favor of the Eagles. I don't – am I crazy? I don't think they score a ton of points. What's the over-under set at? I can't read it. Is that 50 and a half? I can't read. Is that 50 and a half? That is 50 and a half. I don't think it goes over. Man, if you, if people are predicting 70-something People think points, this is going to be high scoring. I, I don't. I don't. We'll see. We will have to see. Hey, if you are having a Super Bowl party, maybe you should have these beers on your list. Dear Old Nebraska Brew, the Copper Alt, Dope Juicy IPA, Mosaic IPA. All are from Zipline. All are fantastic. And I'll be having one after the show today. Coming up next, 
Have you been paying attention to storylines? That's what I want to tell you. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I call him about every night. Um, just, you know, ask him for help. You know, he's his best recruiter. I tell that to everybody. You see him, he goes out on the road by himself, which, you know, there's a lot of respect behind that. And um, I'm just always like trying to get his evaluation of me. You know, am I doing enough? Am I doing the right things? And that's what's so cool about me is like I'm the son of a coach. So I spent 18 years with best coach I know. We were under the same roof, you know. I mean, you, you know that, Max. You know how close him and I are. But uh, um, so like I'll ask him about recruiting, but mainly he just keeps going Talk to your players. Talk to their players' parents. You know, if if you guys were down there 10 minutes ago, there were six guys in my room just hanging out. And I was like, hey, guys, I got honey buns. I got Pop-Tarts. Come on. Come get one. You know, just sit there hang out with me as I'm freaking watching tape and doing all that. Garrett McGuire speaking my language. I'll take a Pop-Tart. Oh, man. Hey, grab a Pop-Tart and watch me play. It's coffee You didn't bring green. any Pop-Tarts this morning. Not, I ran out. <laughs> oh, did you? Ashley even made a comment last night. She goes, dude, you ate all the Pop-Tarts. I'm like, there was one left. Hey, what's your go-to? Uh, I, brown sugar is my favorite. OG. Okay, so what did you bring yesterday? Cookies that had the and cream. Okay. I like a chocolate chip cookie dough. Wild berry is a good Pop-Tart as well. You can go like OG too with blueberry and strawberry. But You're wild, uh, she's man. Like, she likes the double chocolate fudge one. Uh, they have a hot fudge sundae, which is just okay. Dude, what is um, wrong with you? They also have a sugar cookie around Christmas time, and dude, the sugar cookie is. Are you listening fire. to this guy over here? Fire! You remind you know who's kind of like you. Kugler's like that too. He's particular about his pop tarts. Mm. Yeah, a little bit. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize they had all those flavors. We we went in waves. They, like they probably have twenty. Sometimes more. the kids like them. Sometimes they don't. Mm. No, they're just so convenient. They're so tasty. Warmed or not warmed. Uh, I'm a not warmed guy. Yeah, I don't. So here's the full disclosure: I don't eat either one of those things. I would love to eat an iced honey bun, but they have fallen off in terms of quality. So I don't even like if I'm gonna go there with a sweet, I'm not gonna waste it on an iced honey bun Mm-mm. or a glazed honey bun. You know, it, and I'm certainly not eating pop tarts. What ruined it for me was the honey buns in the vending machine yeah. because they've been sitting in there for God knows how long. Well, everybody tells me I'm sleeping on zebra cakes. Am I sleeping yeah, on zebra no. cakes? No. I'm not much of a little Debbie guy. Oh, my guy degenerate Aaron. He is by the way, he could use some thoughts and prayers out here today. Um he is a snack aisle junkie mm. and knows everything about Debbie and how little she is. <laughs> it's unbelievable. His pantry looks like a grocery store. Well, like Debbie Gibson? Who's she? Oh, that's the singer, right? Yeah, it's the singer. Did you, hey, have, a, did you, have, did you have a poster? I did not. Did that help you get to two minutes? <laughs> two minutes. I don't know. Hey, ask your buddy. <laughs> ask your buddy. He knows about Debbie. Whoa. <laughs> Well, Debbie. Speaking of singers, Debbie, is that what you call it? Rihanna came out and said, you're the best radio personality in the state of Nebraska. How does that make you feel? Did she? Mm-hmm. Why would Rihanna say that? She did. She just said it. What? Yeah, she came out and said, DB is the best radio personality in the state of Nebraska. 
I don't believe it. I don't have. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Do you know the question Patrick Mahomes was asked by the reporter? Yes. Hey, Rihanna said you're the best. Oh, <laughs> you're so funny, Drew. Down. But he, you know why? You know what had me is like you don't know me in my former life. Like I have a thing about Rihanna. Even better. No, here's why. Maybe I'm just two steps ahead of you. She ruined Matt Kemp's career. <laughs> Matt Kemp was my guy. <laughs> Oh, and because he was in the LA because he was because he was captivated and smitten by Rihanna, he let balls bounce off his head and was getting picked off at first base. <laughs> it's unbelievable. My dude was spending more time on yachts with Rihanna than he was working on his game. I'm very mad at Rihanna. <laughs> Didn't Darius Geis spend a lot of time on? Yachts, too. We don't talk about guys. Well, we don't talk about Kemp, either. <laughs> <laughs> Kemp, significantly better person than Geis. Fair point. Okay? You can't find Geis' name at LSU anymore. Well, Rightfully so. Fair. Predator. And I don't mean like the big ones that Brody killed when he uh, landed or out like of a, this, fell out of a parachute. Isn't there like a superhero predator? Shane, is there? That's your That's your wheelhouse. Uh, the predator has been in the predator has been in comic books. If you're referencing that, that is what I'm referencing. Shane it's the same. Book. It's the you're refer. You guys are both yeah. referencing the same guy. Yeah. Is it Shane is a Rolodex? Hey, the oh, guy. It's the same guy. The guy that we're gonna Geist. talk to at eight forty-five. Geis. He's a snack cake dude too. Hey, have you been paying attention to storylines this week, DB? <laughs> I'm trying not to. So I'm not even talking about NFL. I'm just talking about entirely. Yeah. Think well, you have I told a pretty good you. Basis? So there's been the there's been the big three. It's Rayola, LaFraud James, and or LeBron James, and what was the other one? Hey, Shane, can you let um, our next guest in? The guy that's built like a stop sign in? As long as he doesn't I make me do me. push-ups, I'll do it. Shane, I still think I sh- – man, I don't know. I've looked at that thing in slow-mo, man. I think I want to give it to me. Hey, so because of storylines, I, I just picked a, a couple of storylines out there. Normally on Fridays we do trivia with DB, which, you know, there was so much going on. I'm like, do we do it? Do we not? And I'm like, you know, maybe we won't actually participate in the game, but maybe we see how much DB's been paying attention to. <laughs> I, I don't. So maybe it's just a question, these three questions for you as you just knock over your camera. I tell just you what. karate kick it off the table. Yeah, I'm not going to pick that up right now because here's the thing. Are you Tristan Alvano or are you Damon Benny? No, if I was Tristan Alvano, I would have made it. <laughs> here's the thing, though. People unscrew and screw that thing in all the time, and it's like, uh, hey. Um, Mike Sauter. Yeah, the dude's shirt is tripping me out. Is that a tablecloth? <laughs> Did you make a tablecloth a shirt? Hey, don't get him don't get him started. He just kicked it down. No, be careful. Don't get solder gassed up. He said he's gonna shut the show down. Wait, hey, oh, you're a snack cake guy, right? Like <laughs> little Debbie? Yeah. <laughs> it's sideways, Shane, on our stream. So of the three before we get you on, uh honey buns, Pop Tarts, or zebra cakes? Strawberry pop tart. Hey. What are you? What are you doing, Shane? Why are He's you holding, holding it on solder? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird. All right, so DB, here, here's your first question. We're gonna see. I'm gonna start easy, and then we're gonna get a little bit harder here. All right, let's go. So KD made the headlines this week. Mike, can you fix that camera, please? When the Nets traded him to the Suns. Thank you. What team drafted KD? 
Oklahoma City Thunder. That is incorrect. Oh, the Seattle Supersonics. That is correct. They are the same franchise. Thank you. But Wait, Way to get me on a technicality. You're welcome. Uh, I will never let you pass unless you get it there. You're a different kind of DB. Hey, last night Patrick Mahomes won his second MVP award, making him the 10th player to ever win the award twice. Mm-hmm. Only one won two MVPs, one quarterback won two MVPs in less time at the start of their career. Who was it? Tom Brady. Incorrect. Incorrect. All right, give it to me. Is it Kurt Warner, Joe Montana, or Brett Favre? Oh, people had an affinity for that guy. I'll go with Brett Favre. It is Kurt Warner, wow. believe it or not. And you know what he said last night when he took the podium, two-time MVP, and he goes, I was fortunate, I was blessed enough to win one of the two of these. And I should have known. I, I'm tying it into storylines. I listened verbatim to what he said, <laughs> and I still missed the question because I and was with like, the answer he choices. has the exact same haircut as his wife. Hey, and here's, here's my final question today for you. Yes. So... When Garrett McGuire made reference wrong with to the 2009 Big 12 championship game yesterday, uh-huh. who kicked the game-winning field goal in that game for Texas? It was not Dicker, the kicker. It was not he Dicker, have, the kicker. He would have graduated. Um, by the way, do you know that the guy that put the one second back on the clock is a regular attendee of Creighton games? No way. Oh, yeah. I saw him a couple Saturdays ago. There was one second left in that game. Stop. Stop. Watch it back, DB. Watch the film. The BCS. That's why they made that call. <laughs> um, it would have been. Uh, the BCS. That's why they made that call. <laughs> uh, Dang right, they did. It was. He was a brother, right? Because he had another brother that kicked. I think. Was he a brother? Uh, no, not like me, brother. No, like, I, I know not you, brother. I meant, like, did he have a brother? <laughs> I think he did. Um, let's see. Didn't he? Maybe he did. Maybe I'm thinking of all the lashers that were at Oklahoma. Um, R.D. Up. and Tim and uh, all those guys. I don't know about his person. I don't know. Life. Who was the kicker? The answer choices are Justin Tucker, Hunter Lawrence, or Ryan Bailey. It was Hunter Lawrence. That is correct. Yeah. Nice work. Sounds like a kicker. Not Justin Tucker, though. He doesn't well, sound that like a was, kicker. Well, I, I knew it wasn't JT. I mean, because that guy's on his way to Lincoln, according to you. He is. The Did next you one. You dropped Justin Tucker on Tristan Alvano. No pressure. Three times. Hey, that thing is a little stripped. I don't think you're going to get it to hold. Hey, as Mike Sauter finagles with the camera. And, he, and this is his wheelhouse, too. He's like an equipment camera junkie guru. We'll talk to him next about high, high school sports because this isn't going well right now. Stick with us. <laughs> Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back. Coffee and cream in the morning. If you can't figure out why I look the way that I do on camera, I don't give a what. That's where the establishment should do what's asked, and I'm not conforming, so. You're hilarious. You've gone every direction. <laughs> I've talked about this, and it is what it is, and when you don't hold up your end of the deal, that's what you get. Anyway, <laughs> computer screen. How long have oh, I? T- how long have I talked whoa. about this though? Well, he's always the guy that gets on and doesn't have his audio turned down. You know, my audio is fine. My your audio is not fine, Mike Sauter. Your audio is turned up. Turn it up. Look, he thinks he is so. Turn funny. it up, some. Look, he's like, how does this look, Mike? I don't give two cares about that camera. 
right? <laughs> I've been talking about the setting up and tearing down. Looks of this good, place. Mike. Looks and, good. And you know what was told to me? Well, hey, you know, you some, you just got to come early and kind of some hey, of that. Sasha's be, hooking us up. Some of that is to she be expected. She got some new equipment. We're it's good. not to be expected if the com- if the equipment is broke. Okay. So let's start broke, there. Don't fix it. Now, now I got to cut you. <laughs> uh, right now, uh, Honey Buns is getting smoked. Pop Tarts is starting to run away with this thing, and we already have <laughs> over four hundred votes. Mike Sauter, Honey Buns, Pop Tarts, or Zebra Cakes? Pop-tart. You said Pop Tarts, Strawberry. Strawberry Pop Tarts with the frosting, the white You're frosting sick. with the sprinkles. Mm-hmm. You do have the palate, full <laughs> disclosure, of a child. Oh yeah, so do I. Actually, I, not so much. Really? You don't no. think so? So last night I had mac and cheese for I the third straight myself, day. <laughs> so my man over here, I can't hear Mike myself. Sauter will, um, ma- he will attempt to cook something, chicken parmesan. Let's say <laughs> he will take the sauce out of the jar. He'll take an already breaded chicken <laughs> patty. <laughs> He'll put a piece of cheese That's on there. That's not true. I do it and, myself. And tell me, <laughs> look what I did. Panko <laughs> crumbs. <laughs> I know how to do that myself. Panko, I make it myself. Mike, just cut it out. Not the chicken, <laughs> obviously. But I. But you don't butcher your own chickens? No. No. I, I did figure out the difference between hens and chickens and why chicken prices aren't. What came first? The chicken or the egg? Exorbitant, as, as high as eggs are. What? Okay. And I, apparently, swine flu is a, it's a hoax. <laughs> I just love listening to reading these Twitter threads. Like, people have all these conspiracy theories. By the way, this camera sucks. Did you fix it? I tried to. I want to. I want to knock it off the table. <laughs> I already how, did it once. So, it's so, the best I can do right now. So you know how just some got. things irritate me? It's weird. Like, I'll put up with a lot, but you know the things that really irritate me are things that have been addressed repeatedly, and nobody does anything, and then when it, like, actually happens. Oof. Like, I have zero... You're like, oh, switch cameras. No, how about not? <laughs> oh, I won't be on camera. Uh, anyway. <laughs> dude, it's just. You get it out. You dude, it's, it's like reconciliation. I'm just telling here. you, man. It is totally who I am. It is totally who I am. You got to, you got to, you got to take it all. The good mm-hmm. with the bad. The good with the bad. Uh, it's my, all good things. Michael Jerome. Yeah. Welcome. We talked to. Uh, um, JJ Zambrenin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, J.J. Zambrennan. <laughs> he said it like he was like foreign espionage. <laughs> J.J. Zambrennan. He's like, I've been listening. <laughs> Covered that dude in high school. So you so know what's weird. funny? Make was that old. you or was it Jacob that said he could coach at Elkhorn South as long as Me. he wants to? I said that, that. Yeah, for sure. Was that in passing? Because no, we weren't on air. Yeah. he. We he, were just talking about him one day. He just – he could. Like he loves the place. It's – like he went to school there. I just don't see him ever leaving there on his own accord, right? Um, I I didn't realize that all five of those guys yeah. were seniors, so he's gonna have to reload. All right, he'll be all right. But they should be okay. He's that, fine. God, they play hard. How about yeah. their six losses? Yeah, they're I think they're Westside, Gretna, Bellevue West, Millard North, Creighton Prep. And one more good one. Oh, Lincoln South or Lincoln East and Lincoln Southwest. That's yeah. right. And that was back when Lincoln Southwest, that was in the opener when yeah, Lincoln Southwest was yeah. fully loaded. He, um, they Miller Northwest, have, Lincoln East, Bellevue West, Gretna, Lincoln Southwest. Those are good crazy. losses. That's why their PowerPoints are so high, probably. Um, 
Yeah, they're going to be a problem in districts because they'll be misseeded. Two or something. Oof. They'll be mis- They will be a high seed after that. After that game uh, last week was Friday, Thursday, Friday night, whatever against Westside. I uh, actually sent a text to Coach Simons. Is like, man, Elkhorn South is going to be a really tough two seed. Do you know what? I was just happy that it wasn't at Elkhorn South. I have never seen. This is boys and girls. So whether it's Miller North or Westside. I've never seen a smooth, easygoing, good game in that gym. <laughs> it's always some sort of grudger, doesn't go yeah. the way you think it's going to go. I've just never seen an aesthetically pleasing game if in that they, gym. If they get, like, full-throat student section, too, it can get real loud. Hey, how na- listen, how nasty was that environment Thursday? It was tough. Or yeah. Friday. Friday, yeah, last week. couple of technicals. By the way, and I felt Fan bad for got booted. So he's can be like that. <laughs> I don't understand. He can be like I've known him for we our kids have played against each other forever. Uh, that was not a foul on Evan though, and I yeah. it, it was not that was not a foul. So and the game was officiated crazy. A couple of technicals. Hornbacher grabbed Caleb. It was great. And the funny thing about Hornbacher grabbing Caleb is the respective moms played soccer together, lighting up on the kids. She was the goalie at Nebraska before Corino LeBlanc came, <laughs> and she was a great athlete. We used to call her Zap from American Gladiators. Oof. Oh, yeah. There's I the love re- that show. There's a reason why I wanted to perm so like hard. that one, uh, the one big dude that had the dark did- hair, like the perm mullet back then. I was like, I wish. I could. That was a Nitro, right? That was the uh, guy that looked uh, like Ricky guy. Steamboat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. How, how early Steiner did the perm hair. go away for you? Well, the like, perm like is back. You, like when, no, I'm talking about oh, like Mike. Pretty like, like how like early did, 20, did this all start going away? Show them that picture five. you showed me like a year ago when you had hair. Or five. It wasn't that long ago. When I yeah, when I my hair yeah, I sha- I started. <laughs> See, he's he's doing that to me on purpose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I started shaving my head in uh, t- man about six years ago. Are you ready for your broadcast tonight? Yeah, I'm fully prepared. Are you calling games this shot sheets and everything? <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> He's so mean. Look, see? Bishop Walsh, Crane hey. shot sheets. I like that. that. Yeah. You're going to be able to That's keep. what I did. You can keep running stats? I'm going to try. Do you have hard. a stat monitor? No. Well, where's Jacob Padilla? He's the man. He will be there on Saturday. Did you build in that within your own that. program, right? Uh-huh. Did you is it an Excel sheet? Uh-huh. Like did you put the math in it too so you can no. automatically add up things? No. Okay. Don't you need what do you call those? Like isn't that some sort of logarithm or something? Where the Excel no. does the uh, the yeah. formula. It's yeah it's you type in a certain formula formulas. and then yeah. all you have to do is like like sum equals. Yeah, like you hit plus and then it just adds it. That sounds like a question for Jamie. Actual equals sum parentheses <laughs> A3. I know there's something. Colon A4 parentheses will give you the total of the two. There's so, a lot more here. to it than so, that. So I, do I need to ask you about totally on me? Which, <laughs> which matchups are you looking forward to? Mm-hmm. Uh, this weekend? Um, it doesn't have to be. I mean, it could yeah. be Westside Bryan. Yeah, I, Miller North Gretna tonight is yeah, it's the gonna one. be That's the best game tonight for me. First for sure. one to 47 wins. Yeah, it's going to be a grinder. I will say that. I, right? You know, Derek Rollins, Jeff Rozelle, how do they defend? Uh, can Miller North play at the pace they want? Um, Got to take good care of the ball. Yeah, it's going to be 
tough to do that, I think. Uh, like you said, Ty Smolinski said a couple weeks ago, his physicality is something. Um, I I would imagine he guards Mosser. He could make so. things miserable for Neil. Yeah, take him out. Well, I don't know if he could that because Neil always, Neil always has the ability to go get fouled, and he's also cooking right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> like he really is, and. Eli, like who I'm sure Pecorsi will guard him. That's a that's one that's that's pretty interesting. That tonight that that's the, my game of the week is that one. Yeah. Um, if I had to just pick them, and then I like the West Side Brian matchup. It's very interesting. Can Amari just like put the team on his back because he probably is going to have to? Can West Side defend a, defend and find a way to put the ball in the basket at a consistent rate because Here, the they didn't on Tuesday. Now People say that about them, and they do go through shooting woes. They take too many difficult shots. Yeah. I don't care what anybody – they take way too many contested shots. Share the ball better. Guys, Lincoln East is good. No, I know. Hey, Carter, like, Carter Mick, as I was telling my man Drew down about. Temple Meyer – I told him he like, may he may be my favorite non-bending that is resides in Lincoln. Is Carter, really Carter you love your baseball players, dude? He's just and he's good natured. Like they try to harass him and they clutch and touch and grab and he doesn't say anything. And that was the second game in a row where I saw guys get defended really, really hard and not bat an eye. Alec Noonan and the night before was unbelievably competitive because nothing came easy. Right. I I just I, East. I would love to see. They're good. I would love to see Lincoln East and Gretna play because I think it'd be literally like first one to fifty wins, fifty two huh? to forty nine. East something. is more capable offensively, yes. in my opinion. I agree, but I'm just saying defensively, they're just so sound. Yeah, I think. and and but, tough kids. The matchups kind of fit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I just I was. I was really impressed with Lincoln. Gretna probably has more options. Wilcoxon can get mm-hmm. going. Pekorski can get going. Rossell can get going. I like um, um, not Alec, but Alec. Yeah, I like Alex Wilkins. Wilkins. Yeah, Alec Wilkins. Um, so they probably have more options, but I think right. he shoots it better. Hey, right. hold the thoughts. Rest of the thoughts for a morning dump as we wrap this right. thing up. Yep. We want to take he, you a moment to tell you about Dingman. Yeah, I will do that. Andrew, since you're so dead set on it, man, had my experience yesterday. You need to follow suit if anything is wrong with your vehicle. Hopefully, you won't end up needing two new tires like I do. Whoa, I will see you them. Needed two, two. Oh, I'll get into that story no. later on, man. Oil change was free. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Customer oh, service no. was great. My man walked out. He said, you want the bad news first or the good news? Darcy was in there. I said, give me the bad news. Hopefully, she can make it okay. Nah, your boy's coming out of pocket quite a bit of chunk change because he's got an all-wheel drive vehicle. My feelings are hurt, but Dingman's will take care of you. Great location. They've got four of them. Make sure you hit the one on 120th and Maple. Fantastic customer service. It's Dingman's. We'll see you next week.